come back with your shield or on it. This ancient Greek phrase was an admonition given to Spartan warriors headed into battle. The meaning, victory or death. Victorious warriors returned home carrying their shields. The dead were brought home on them. This is why we've been saying that Carolina has the better roster, better team than Albany. This is unfamiliar territory. Does this turn into a losing streak? They seemed that they were sluggish. They looked like they were going through the motion. Sam Castronova didn't look good in the first quarter. The defensive issue for Albany was exposed. Was a Albany. Simmer down. Castronova on second down. He's looking for it all. And he's got it all. Darius Prince. Touchdown. Albany's defensive line has already played a presence here in this first quarter. Drop it back and get pressure again, and he goes down. Capped up, intercepted, picked off. Here's Beal. He's gonna score. Everything breaks down. Can take off. He's got a lot of room to run. Astronova into the end zone. Covering all your favorite parts of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast with Zach Kyleman and Jim Bernier. Welcoming in fans of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast. Zach Kyleman in here hosting as always, bringing in, of course, my good buddy, my good pal, my partner in crime, the man that was on the hype video for the NAL championship game himself, Jim Mernier, coming on in. Buddy, good to see you. Um, as you may have uh, already hinted at, uh, we are talking about our good buddies and pals over in the capital region today with the Albany Empire. First off, let's just let's just revisit again. You were on that pregame hype video, like our audio from the show, mm-hmm. which still is surreal to me going last year in August to Albany and hearing that in the crowd. That, that's the thing. I was on I was in the I was in the end zone listening to this going, oh my God, they put show audio of Jim in this promo. To great effect, of course, but like, seriously, man, that still brings me chills hearing that that was used in a professional sports organization's promo reel. It makes me feel like I'm one of the elite. I'm a Skip Bayless <laughs> or I'm a I, Shannon Sharp. Skip, skip. No, uh, <laughs> but no, it's, every time I hear it, it, it makes me go, wow, I I've been a fan of this sport for many years. I'm a season ticket holder for the Jacksonville Sharks. I have yet to hear my voice in that arena here in town, but my voice was out for everyone to hear in Albany um, during the championship game. And it's cool, but at the same time, it, like, was I actually used for motivation? But again, it, it same. We can always judge how organization is run. It just it shows the appreciation that the Albany Empire have for this show. For this podcast and it's just the respect i have for that organization for using my audio your audio is on a couple player highlight videos of trayvon yes. schwartz I, I, there, I think there's one other player but i know trayvon schwartz is definitely one of them um so it just tells us as me and you um that we're being we're 
being appreciated by athletes and players that um, play in this game and we're basically their only outlet for news and talk about the arena game. So yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. I can play it again. I could be, you know, Jim's ego. Let's do it again. <laughs> no, um, oh my gosh. I, I, I will say, man, it's uh, that, like I said, it's, again, that was surreal then. Um, and yeah, it's surreal kind of hearing my voice on some highlight on some highlight clips. Like I said, the Trayvon shorts one, you're talking about, you know, the running game he brought that still is like, unreal to hear on Facebook, but like, you know, Hey, our buddies, the Albany empire, who, again, this is their show, the final, uh, preview episode for each team we have done. We've gotten through it. Seven weeks of preview episodes, two months of content. We are finally at the finish line for each team. And boy, I mean, we talked about, we were going to finish at the top at the cream of the crop, like last year, like the last two seasons in the NAL. It's the Albany Empire. They have they've established themselves. You know they are on the verge of being an NAL dynasty. If they can, if they get another one this year and be, you know, and get that threepeat, you know, they are. I mean, to me, they're already establishing themselves very much as the powerhouse, as the main target on your back in this league. Anyhow, that's a good question. You just brought that up. Now that we actually sound like we're a talk show. What? what this is a talk what? hang on this is a talk show i i thought yeah, yeah, see yeah. i thought this was just you and i just shooting the not going to say that because both youtube and the league would definitely have some problems with me throwing that around but <laughs> yeah they'll be like how dare you uh, there you go <laughs> uh, the, the, the question is is like we talk about every sport nba nfl whatever dynasties you know the the Buffalo Bill, uh, the, not 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 they're not a dynasty, but the Chicago Bill Bulls, yep. they're a dynasty. Lakers dynasty, Celtics dynasty, Patriots dynasty. You have well, you go back in hockey, Montreal dynasty. Um, Albany's won three straight titles. They've won in the AFL. That is back, true. Back in the NL. And the continuation are they an NAL dynasty? They have two back-to-back. They're the only organization in this in this league to win back-to-back. The, the question is not, are they a dynasty? The question is, is can they continue it to become a solidified the dynasty? It, it, the thing is, if they make the playoffs, they're a dynasty. They make the championship game, they're a dynasty. It's the consistency. Now, if they fall flat on their face, then, hey, it happens. The fourth year, you're not going to win a championship. Does that end the dynasty name? No, they have three titles back to back to back. Right. If anything, are, you know, a dynasty. Right. You know what? I mean, that's that's the deal. You know, I think one thing I've liked with the Empire ever since they come back. You know, they own their history. They are a three-time championship organization between two leagues. Um, they are very much have kept to that high standard of play. And as Manas has brought up since he's come in as the empire head coach in 2021, you know, after, you know, coming in for then at least what was, is now to be former head coach, Rob, Rob Keefe, you know, he's brought in the empire way, you know, which is basically hard nosed football, you know, hundred percent, every man's for himself. You are fighting for the guy opposite to you at all times. And it's a brotherhood. He said that multiple times on our shows, you know, it's a brotherhood and he will, I will hint to that. He will say that later on this show. Um, there's other goodies you'll get along the way. I'm not going to spoil those, but you know he'll reiterate that later on in this episode, of course, when we get to his conversation with us. Um, for the Empire as well, before we jump into other pieces of this discussion, I mean, 
you know, this is an, I mean, this year for, for Albany fans, I think it's nice that they're going to see the empire back as an, in true, you know, we talk about arena arena has been, you know, the wait for the nets has been there for a while, but that's one thing the league's hyped up and especially the empire. Now this year, you can say, and especially fans in that area that know what real arena football is, ladies and gentlemen, it's back. So the 2019 nets and everything with it, that's going to be back this year. That's, that's huge. I think for this community in particular, because Albany, you know, they were one of the ones from the early days, of the AFL, they came up, they have been guys, they know what arena football, like true good quality arena football is, you know, nets bring that quality that much more up there. Mm-hmm. That to me, I think is massive for this community to embrace once again, is that the full scale of the sport is back in the capital region. Also, you have to give credit to Mike Corda and the ownership group in Albany. They are unlike a lot of arena teams and arena leagues. Uh, When they get an expansion franchise, they they take the name of the previous team and just say, oh, we're in their own organization. Albany, the Empire, have embraced all organizations in the history of Albany. From the Firebirds, uh, I think they've mentioned something about the Conquest from back in the day, but most importantly, the Empire right now. And an organization that attracts their or not attracts, but an organization that continues to zone in on their own community and their own base and remember the history that came through mm-hmm. establishes the credibility, the sustainability of what an organization should be. And one thing that you got to tip your hat off to the organization is that they have done that. They've like, Hey, 2019 was awesome, but 2020 was good. You guys didn't think the community didn't buy in because it's new league. Now it's 2023 back to back to back championships, back to back in the NAL. Now they have wins. And usually we mentioned this in one of our interviews, uh, winning cures everything. But when you already have a winning organization and the main issue for that team or for any team that matters, especially in this sport, is attracting the fans that used to know this league, this sport from years past. Albany is right now the front runner, I think, in the league right now, in the NAL right now, that is just not actively doing it. They're going full press. They're doing press coverage. They're doing zone coverage. They're doing all the coverages at the same time. It's been fantastic, actually. Like almost refreshing, you know? Their social media is um, number one, in my opinion, in the league. Uh, they are really uh, – every single day there's something. They're popping off on something, and that's very important, in my opinion, to just not continuing to grow the game. But also it helps the community to realize that, oh, they're here. And we've heard the cliches by so many coaches and so many newscasters from any sport. Well, the reason why no one comes to the game is because we have a losing organization. Well, winning cures everything. In Albany, they, the only thing they do is win, period. You know, put your hands up. You know, all we do is win. That's the Albany Empire. Now, that's not the issue. The issue is something that Mike Cord, you could tell Levesque, Manas, and that organization has been doing this offseason is they're attacking the fans. It's like, hey, we're here. We can win. We have a winning organization. MVP arena is where the party's at. 
Um, or you can just go down the street by my house. I got a barbecue. I can do some stuff. But it's a hell of a drive from up Albany, but still. <laughs> um, but they're doing something that if every team in this league did, we're not worried about attendance numbers. We're not worried about crowds. We're only worried about what's playing on the field. And that's one thing that I got to give my, you know, tip my hat to the organization for is that they literally said, basically, I don't know, sometime middle of last season, it's time to up our game in social media. And they've run away with the competition. Right. They're I mean, so far I'll, ahead of everybody in this league. I mean, hats off, you know, I'll, I'll, one of their staff members, you got to give hats off is Ben Nelson, who yes. does their graphics. They are super, I mean, they're, they're really top notch for this level of the sport. You know, they do a great job, I think, with putting those together. They look really crisp. And again, it looks professional. That's the thing. You know, you are the National Arena League. You are the you are supposed to be the professional, one of the professional standards for this sport. So all the teams, you know, if they can keep generating this stuff. And it, things have been getting better. You know, I've seen a lot of good coming out of the Preds as, as of the last year or two. You know, obviously Jacksonville's been getting better at that. Carolina's had a lot more videos this year, so that's nice. You know, video content generates more. But, you know, Albany, that's one thing. We talk about league growth, and they seem to be one of the teams that you hear Manas talk about, not just the Albany Empire, but, like, in videos and in, like, you know, updates from the Empire. He talks about the league, you know. And that's stuff we like to hear because we want to see the league grow, you know. Teams, obviously, if we're getting a stable base, we want the league's brand to grow bigger so it helps everyone else under the umbrella. I like that messaging a lot. You, I know, do, too. It's half the battle. One thing, like this podcast, when we started, we, what was our downloads? We were getting five to ten downloads. Yeah, yeah, we, it's we, a start. Yeah. We were on YouTube. We were on. We haven't touched YouTube, and since season three kicked off eight weeks ago, we have surpassed three thousand downloads. That's incredible, and, and that's amazing, and that's because of a couple things. A, we're on YouTube now. Thank you, YouTube. Hello, YouTubers. Hello again. <laughs> uh, Spotify is popping. All of our pod stuff is popping. And then again, if you don't know where we're at, ladies and gentlemen, Inwas Pod on everything. That's our name. Inwas Pod, YouTube, mm. Instagram, Facebook, Podbeam, Apple, Google, every single pod. There's so many. We're on so many platforms. And now you're seeing organizations like Albany, Orlando, Jacksonville, which I think if it hasn't been news yet, but Jacksonville did kind of get a TV deal for local TV here in Jacksonville. That's good. So. See, that's good. Um, that's good progress, though. The, you know, the, the CW. <laughs> but the CW. It, it, the CW. Um, but still, that's a step in the right direction, and the excitement is there. And we've seen it last year in Albany. Uh, their biggest crowd was at the championship game. That was an electric atmosphere, and you see it at the very last home game in Orlando. 8,000 were there. The very last home game in San Antonio, there were 7,000 there. On the very last home game in Jacksonville, we touched 8,000. So there is potential. These markets that already draw good crowds, they gave them bigger. And it usually starts with promoting, pushing the pushing the name, pushing the brand. And Albany has been doing that. And I expect a huge crowd there in two weeks. Uh, two weeks against the Orlando Predators, not next week. Even though next week's the start of the season, it's freaking here already. Uh, yeah. Homeboy, homeboy will be at a wedding, but homeboy gonna be a part of that commercial, the AT and T commercial. He's watching that game, and he's gonna say something stupid during the wedding. The groom is gonna look at me and go, "Really, bro? That's how it is." So that's where I'll be on the eighth. 
Um, and then in two <laughs> weeks, uh, I'll be in the friendly confines of Ice Star Veterans Memorial Arena. Uh, hopefully talking talking with Kyler Rashad, San Antonio, coming to town, maybe Travis Shaw, uh, as the Sharks host the um, Gunslingers. It, it, it's it's amazing how me and you started this preseason stuff eight weeks ago. Uh, yeah, we've went to every single team, every single a couple of players, um, and some of the, some of the things that we've seen all all of these teams is either a if they're expansion team like in Fayetteville and West Texas, we didn't know they're really the core guys, but we see the core guys in their organizations, like we see here in Albany. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about the Manas. It's the Empire Way brought back fourteen players. Their off season was pretty good. They got the the first teamers, they got the second teamers, they got the MVPers to all come back. And the question is out there. We mentioned it early, earlier, and we mentioned on multiple shows, like we, we previewed the other teams who they mark on the calendar. It's Albany, and that's mm-hmm. this episode. So, um, one thing that I've noticed throughout this process of previewing teams and the people I've talked to, the coaches I've talked to, the executives I've talked to is that their run their goal is to win a championship. Every team in this league's goal is to win a championship. I'm going to say this. If you're an organization in, the, in any league, no matter if it's Pop Warner to the NFL, if you're not preparing your offseason to win a championship that year, why even in the industry? Like, come on, your goal is to win a championship. Um, but overall, this season has been incredible, this offseason so far. We're two weeks away from this. We're, we're a week away week and a half for this podcast we're a week from kickoff um two weeks away from the albany empire um kicking off at home against the orlando predators and speaking of that i forgot to do this levec will say something if i don't mention it uh season tickets single game tickets are on sale albanyempirenal.com or visit ticketmaster.com go ahead and do that um also Later in the show, but we're going to tease it right now. We're going to tease it right now, but later in the show, we're going to do a ticket giveaway. We're not giving it away here, but this is a contest for you to enter. It's on the screen if you're on YouTube, but if you're on our podcast platform, it's easy. Easy to join. Two tickets to any game. Your team, your game. You pick the city. You pick what game. If you get selected, A, you'll win those tickets, and you'll get And show off your fandom, too, while you're at it. That's what part of this deal is here. Yes. So this is how you enter. Subscribe to our YouTube page. Our YouTube page. Now, what the heck is YouTube? Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Subscribe to our YouTube page. Uh, Subscribe to the Walls Pods YouTube page. Two, share your favorite NAL moment on our social media. Like a picture of you at a game or a moment that you were there. Maybe a championship game or you were at a Sharks game or something. And later later in the show... You're going to have to answer a question that's on this show. And it's best, just say, describe, it was answered one of our episodes. We're not going to tell you the episode. You're going to have to answer it in our social media. So picture of your social media platform or a favorite moment or a highlight and say, answer the question is this. And if you have the right answer to that question and the moment, you'll be in the drawing. And the winner will get two tickets to an NAL game of your choosing no matter where it's at you'll get two tickets um because this is overdue uh we should have did it last year when we hit 200 subscribe uh, 200 on twitter we forgot to do it um 
but so we're getting off for the start. So any game, so it could be week one, it could be week nine. It won't be playoffs because we can't guarantee playoffs for a certain teams. So that's later in the show. Listen to the question, uh, trivia question for a ticket giveaway at the end of the show uh, to get your chance to win. And the winners will be announced via social media on Sunday, this Sunday, April 1st. If yes, not, indeed. if not, it will be on the on Wednesday's podcast next week. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, you heard me that right. Wednesday's podcast is our NAL prediction show with Mason Espinoza and my friend here, Zach Coleman. Yeah. Uh, if you don't get it Sunday, you'll get it Wednesday. Love it. Getting Mason back on right before the season kicks off. It's going to be a banger. Trust me, you want to tune in for that. I can't wait to record with him. Always a great conversation when us three are on the show. So you're going to want to tune in for our discussion and predictions for the season, no doubt. Stay tuned for that. Yes. Without a doubt. So people at Wednesday, but your shows are on Friday. Yeah, there's a show on Friday too. Just mm-hmm. telling you. Just Double day. Feature. You week keep an eye now. So week, it's week one, man. Like this is episode ninety. Hail to the Empire. We already know that. <laughs> like this is there. We we've already been twenty minutes into this episode, and we're talking about the Empire. So before we start talking about players who they got back, who's going on. We got a certain player that has a history for the city of Albany. Just a little, just, just a little history. Um, and yes, uh, I do go kind of fanboy here because it's me. So with no, no further ado, no introduction added. You see, if you're listening, if you've seen her Twitter for the last couple of days, you already know who it is. But for the people who are listening on YouTube, are like, who's the guy he's talking about? What's he talking about? Ladies and gentlemen, no further ado, our first guest for Hail to the Empire, episode 90 of the NAL preseason preview show, Touchdown, Eddie Brown. Yes! He was in the Arena Football League, and I'll go on record saying in recent generations, probably the best player that never played in the NFL. The all-time leader in receiving touchdowns in the Arena League with, get this, 303. Touchdown, Eddie Brown, who was a star for the Albany Firebirds when they had the 20th. Welcoming one and all to another edition here of our interview series for the Albany Empire Preview Show here on Inside the Walls Podcast. Uh, as you may have already seen, we had a co- head coach, Tom Manas, on as our first bit, but we're going to keep this train rolling. We we have quite a few parts to this interview series, getting all angles of the Albany Empire, uh, and as well as Albany football history in this as well. We are, we are very honored to have this guest, a very storied career in arena football. Now he comes back to the, all, to the capital region to help be part of the leadership team to lead the Albany Empire now. It is Touchdown Eddie Brown, Vice President of Football Operations for the Albany Empire, joining us today as well as storied AFL receiver himself. Eddie, thanks again, really. Um, we, we said this in the pre-show kind of talking to you. We This is this has been a moment we've been hoping to hit, get you on the show at, for a long time. So this is it's an honor to have you on here to speak with you today. Awesome. It's an honor to be on the show and uh, didn't know you guys had been wanting me on the show for quite a while, but I think uh, good things come to those who wait. (laughs) Well, we do an arena show and why not have the goat of receivers on the show? That's, 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 there's a list of players that I've wanted on this show and you're one of a very small list that I've always wanted to interview uh, because 
unlike Zach, I've watched arena football in its heyday where you were with mm-hmm. Albany slash Indiana, just torching the field. It's like, I remember watching interviews and highlights. It's like, is Eddie Brown playing? Yeah. Where's the football? Most likely in the end zone in Eddie Brown's yes. hand. That is definitely a true story. Um, I actually had I actually had a chance to meet you in person down in Orlando years years ago. You signed one uh-huh. of my uh, AFL things, and I can't awesome. find it, which is aggravating. But it's cool that right. now you're uh, with us, uh, an interview with us here. Uh, it again was X said, This is an honor. It's like this is I I was a child and you were in the AFL, and I'm like I actually have him on the show, so I'm pretty excited too. But again, this is for awesome. Albany's purposes. This is Albany's preview show. Uh, the first question is. Why Albany and why now? Well, I think why Albany is because that's the place where I actually grew up and and, and became a man and learned some great things and developed some great relationships in Albany. Uh, So it's always good to go back to where things originally started for your career to prosper like mine did and to be in the situation we're in now to be part of the front office just adds to it. Uh, and I think any father will be tremendously excited to be working side by side with his son, uh, the same son who watched me play many years and sat in the stands with popcorn and watched me play to now uh, him be part owner with Mike, uh, and me working in the front office with Matt. Uh, I think it's just two great combinations all working together for one common cause and that's to get albany back to what it was when i played filling up the crowd the electric energy everybody jumping uh family tradition where you plan the family to come down so now those kids that those parents those kids that were once those parents that were kids are now the parents. Yeah. So they can continue the tradition because they can tell their kids. I remember when my dad and mom brought us down to see Touchdown Eddie Brown. Now they can tell their kids they are bringing their kids down to watch the Prince and the Albany Empire do big things as well. You know, something about this Albany now, you're talking that gen- the generations of arena fans is definitely now grown. I mean, you know, the, I mean, for crying out loud, the Firebirds, when you started, you know, you're talking in the mid 90s, you know, it, it, you got to see kind of the early goings. What makes Albany this, I guess, one of these top spots? Like we talk about arena places, like people that embrace the arena football as a concept, you know, Jacksonville kind of fits that mold. We've seen Phoenix, obviously the IFL has the Rattlers and then Albany through several team iterations keeps on coming back. What, what have you noticed? Like maybe in the early days, you're saying, I see why this is sticking here. It's about the community. You have to get the community involved. You got to have a community presence. And most of all, you have to have somebody that the community trusts. I'm considered to be a hero, a hometown hero in Albany. Mm-hmm. So someone like myself, when I come and I speak highly of what we're doing and come be part of it, they know me. They remember me from back in the day. They know they can trust me. Albany is a tight-knit community, and if they trust you, they're going to come out and support you. And if they don't trust you, they won't support you. Uh, and, it, and and that's just the family makeup in Albany. 
It's not just a football team or anything. It's a part of their family. In a lot of sports, there's a, the common term, winning cures all. Albany right now is winning, period. They're, they've won back-to-back NAL titles, three-peat with the old AFL t- title. The winning's there. How is it to get now the community is like, hey, they're here. They're a winning organization. You're going to have fun coming to these buildings, except for 4,000 fans. Can we pack the MVP arena with what used to be when you played, 15, 16, 20,000 for a, a, a night in Saturday night or Friday night in the arena? How, how can we get fans back to the arena? I think uh, the best way to get fans back into the arena is, the first of all, me and my son have come aboard and they're familiar with us. So you know in Albany, Albany is a tight-knit community. There's not a lot of things going on in Albany, especially in the springtime. Mm-hmm. So come the springtime, if you have somebody that you're familiar with and everyone knows that person to put that time in the community, that person has been around for a period of time, that person is someone that sat at your dinner table and had dinner with you and your family, that person that become family. That's how you bring the community back, and that's how you get how you fill up the crowd and get the get the uh, the MVP arena filled up. You do that because you have relationships that goes back generations, mm-hmm. and then you're able to bring that fire back, that family tradition back, uh, because you was part of it. Uh, I went to places now in the community, and I have adults telling me when I was growing up, I was touchdown Eddie Brown would play football in the yard. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was growing up, hey, Mr. Brown, this is the gloves you signed for me. Uh, there's kids that I coached that are now parents and raising their own family. So they all can relate to me in all different aspects to not just football, not just there, but those relationships are what bring fans to the MVP arena and pack it out because it's somebody they know and they're familiar with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that definitely, I think will contribute a lot this season. It seems like the buzz around the empire is at a new, isn't at a new height since their uh, time now in the NAL has started up. Um, You hinted, I wanted to go and revisit something you mentioned when we started the show. I mean, Mm -hmm. you talked about, you know, you and your son are kind of, you're working on this together. I mean, that that is a pretty, you know, for the fact that he gets to see, he gets to be part owner of the of a team in this area that you help, you know, you help to at least become a star and help grow the sport in, and you're getting to be part of that. And you get to work together a little bit on helping set this thing up. You know, you do you want to care to elaborate a little more on that? Well, I just think, I, I just think for us in this time, I think it's always – good to be an example. I think what we are doing is we're being an example in trying to impact the lives of young men. So they can not only look at playing the game, but also being part owner of that same game. Mm-hmm. And not just that in that perspective, but just different things that can be taught in life. Mm-hmm. Father, son, uh, working together in ownership, uh, father and son watch each other play. So th- those relationships, we can be a catalyst for others 
and give others hope and, and believe that they can also accomplish this feat as well. What is the feat? My son sat in the stands and watched me play. I sat in the stands and watched him play. Now we're actually part owners of the team that he sat in the stands and watched me play. So it's, it's surreal and we're just hoping to be a great example for other father-son uh, guys that have played. One of the guys, I can give you a great example about it, that I look at too, that I can see this happening, is a buddy of mine, Derek Stingley. Uh, Derek Stingley uh-huh. played with me in 1999 with the Firebirds. Now his son is with the Texans. Uh, so, you know, those father and son relationships with football, we're hoping can be, we could be a catalyst for that to continue to grow and not us be the first, but others to come. It's, it's basically a complete circle. It all comes back around. And one thing I like about stories like that, you stay, it's basically you're an Albany guy. And I guarantee there's people here in Jacksonville. Tim Tebow is a great example here in Jacksonville. Um, right. Jacksonville guy. Now he owns half of the Iceman, which is the hockey team here in town. Uh, right. Each city has their thing. Um, but this year in the National Arena League, the Nets are coming back. So you have experience with the Nets. Will we see Eddie Brown go out there and show the, the guys how to, you know, get a rebound or two off these Nets? Or are you just like, I'm going to let Manos do everything and I'm going to just chill? <laughs> I'm going to let Coach do everything. But if Coach calls me and asks me to come insist and help the players out and that's going to lead us to being successful, then I'm all in. Uh, there's nothing I wouldn't do for us to be successful. Whether it's helping the kids catch the ball off the net, uh, how to use the net Mm -hmm. to create other opportunities for you offensively, uh, how to use the net to throw it off to catch the last pass to win the game. Whatever I can do to help, I'm going to do for our team to be successful. Yeah, the net, the nets. I mean, obviously, for you're talking receiving angle, without a doubt, or returns alone, that's going to enhance a bunch of things, create some exciting plays. You, obviously, you being a receiver, I got to ask this because there, there of course, is the setting <clears throat> that in arena you'll know the, the wall always wins, the wall is undefeated. Um, do you have one of those moments where you're like, I recall, you know, the wall kind of making sure that I remember that that it was there. <laughs> Well, I could tell you that. I could tell you, yeah, I have some moments. Uh, when I was a young young boy playing in uh, Albany, I think when I was in my mid-20s, uh, I used to hit the wall, and I used to stand and look at the wall, and I was like, I was so geeked up and excited to be playing that I would hit that wall and bounce up and look at the wall because I felt one day that wall was going to fall, and I was going to keep going. You know what I mean? And okay. then when I got I got in my I think I was 31 years old. We was playing in Indiana, and I hit the wall, and I finally realized that the wall is the heavyweight champion of the world, because for the first time in 10 years, I finally felt pain from hitting the wall, and that was a sign that it was time for me to get out of the game. <laughs> <laughs> The wall always wins, and Father Time always wins. This thing goes a little harder than it used to be. (laughs) Yeah, this didn't used to hurt. I don't know what that is, but what that was, but oh my God, that don't feel good. Let's take a time out. I'm not feeling good right now. (laughs) 
but speaking about receivers saying the walls, one of the wildest ones I've ever seen was Tiger Jones. Uh, he was, it was, I think he was playing in Georgia long, like when the force were around, he hit mm-hmm. the wall. He flipped over the wall. He was in the third row. He wow. got up. He realized he was like, Oh, I'm in the stands. <laughs> like, right. I guarantee. I was like, he had to feel that he had oh, he to, if you hit the wall and flip over and he's sitting in the third row. Cause like, right. that's, that's not easy feet. And I, I remember watching on TV, like he had to feel that, like, come on. And he gets up yeah. and he's playing the next play. I'm like, bro. Once, once, that's, once that's, his parents, oh, once no, his parents kicked in, he was like, "Oh, I'm in the third row. Oh, I need to go on the field." <laughs> he goes, "Oh yeah, I need to go get a beer." Oh wait, I'm actually playing in this game. Right. The wall <laughs> gave him a standing eight count. <laughs> Where did this popcorn come from? <laughs> yeah, standing eight count. <laughs> Who are you? Hey. <laughs> oh, okay. What? I'm on the wrong. That was one of the wildest hits I've ever I've seen the receiver hit it well. And we've had DBs on the show saying that the, the wall is the like the second or the back safety. You're, the wall is your friend as a DB. But as a receiver, it, you just said like you had like, a lot of encounters with the wall. And I've seen Tiger hit the wall and he, he's dazed and confused. Uh, is it just based on how your mentality is as a receiver or a DB, the, how you treat the wall? Or is it just that you got to play, play it because the wall is there and it's not going to move? What you have to do as a receiver is you try. If you want to last long, you have to take the high angles to avoid the wall, and have your quarterback work you back down to catch the ball if need be. Mm-hmm. So the more you can take that high angle, meaning the angle towards the back of the end zone, the more you can avoid the wall. And the least amount of times you hit that wall is going to be the longer that you're going to last playing ball. Uh, so I did my best not to hit it as much, but then there were times where you really don't have no other choice. You got to hit it. So I can remember we used to do drills on how to turn your body, catch the ball and turn your body. So your head didn't go directly into the wall. It was Uh more your shoulder or your back. Mm -hmm. And we would, we did that drill when I first got into the arena league. So that taught me how to hit the wall, and it also broke the fear of the wall. Because that wall ain't going nowhere. It's not moving. I promise no. you, it's, <laughs> no, it's not, not moving. Well, early and it's knocked your, out some of the best of us. Like, yeah. I was going to say, earlier in your playing career, uh, in, in early AFL, there was like a yard spacing between the sideline and the wall. Now it's just straight wall. I was going to ask, because I, I, I'm glad you brought that up, because old footage I've watched – they used to have the sidelines in the original setups and that started well, getting phased out. Well, it depends on what arena you were in. If you were in Albany, if you were in Albany, you had the sideline because you had a squared field. Mm. If you were in Iowa or in Orlando or, and or Tampa, you had the rounded end zones. So you didn't have the sideline. So you have to look at the shape of those arenas and how their walls were made. If you look mm-hmm. at Orlando, it was a circular motion. So when you aim for, you couldn't really aim for the back corner. You had to aim for mainly the outside uh, bar of the nets to get to the angle you need to get without going head on in the end zone with the wall. So you had to understand the dynamics 
of that arena to be able to run the routes that you needed to run and maintain the same angles which kept you from consistently hitting the wall. Was that difficult for you, or was that just just a couple of rep, reps in, during the game and you realize how the field dynamics or dimensions are? It was, uh, it, was, it was a lot of studying. It wasn't easy. It was just a lot of studying and recognizing the arenas that you were in, the angles that would work and the angles that wouldn't work. And what we would do when I played is I would have them fix an end zone to accommodate that arena we were playing in. Mm -hmm. So during that week, I would work on those angles. And sometimes it will be awful. And sometimes it will be good. But by game time, I had it perfect. And I was able to execute it with the difference in how those arenas were set up. Mm -hmm. Eddie, I got to ask, because, you know, to me, I think one thing that's fascinating where we're at in arena now and where, I mean, you got to see, you right now arena football is in a, I think it's almost trying to regrow itself. You you were in the era when it, it got to that level that it was, for, for a time, mainstream. You know, it, I, I feel like it's not, it still is trying to reset itself in a way as a sport. What you, you talked about the community involvement, like when we talked about with Albany, what makes that work? What what's needed? Do you think to get the sport as a whole recognized by people again, not just as a niche? You know, we have great diehard fans, but just seeing like the general fan bases go, "This is back. This has been here." You know, we can we can talk about arena football again. It didn't just go away in the mid two thousands. Like, how do we get to that part again? I think we get to that part again by bringing, uh, I think, having myself, having my son be part of the NAL. I, I think that helps. I think we have to seek out owners that can sustain a team for longevity and not just for a year. Uh, I think we have to do that. I think uh, we have to go and look at different places where we can expand and make it bigger uh, with owners that can show the revenue that is needed to sustain that team. I think once we can sustain it and show it's not just a hit and run, that we can sustain it with this owner, that owner, this owner, and we all continue to, to support our commissioner, uh, Coach Siegfried, uh, I think we can get to those places where now we can get the support of, of, of TV, uh, ESPN, and different people like that. But right now, you know, they really don't trust it. So we got to gain their trust back by having uh, owners that are here for the long haul and owners that are here just not for the money, but there's something behind where they are. For mm -hmm. example, like we are in Albany. There's something behind it. I played there. My son went to elementary school there. So there's something behind that that supports our purpose. Mm -hmm. Do you, For yourself this year, as you kind of get to go around the league, uh, do you have a specific destination in mind that you want to, you're like, I'm ready to take a visit here uh, right out of the gate for maybe part of the schedule? I'm, I'm going to take a visit everywhere. I want to go everywhere because okay. I want to learn. I want to see how other stadiums are doing things, especially Orlando and Jacksonville. Those guys have always had great followings. So I want to go and see what they're doing in their arenas. I want to sit down with their ownership group and see 
you know, they may have some things that they're doing that can help us in Albany. Uh, I just want to take going all the arenas and just learn and uh, get different ideas that can strengthen Albany, but also how we can collaborate uh, to strengthen the whole league, period. Yeah. Uh, well, that's one of the things that uh, for me and Zach have been preaching for years about the NAL and in any league, arena league is you, the, the arena leagues have to realize this is not the NFL. You, you don't have a billion dollar corporations feeding the, the machine arena. It's more about community. The stronger your community is, stronger the community is towards your team, the longevity of that team is. So that's why Jacksonville is very successful. Uh, that's why you look in Phoenix, the Rattlers are very, they're like the two longstanding franchises in the, that played in the old arena leagues. Um, that's why it's, you see them still around because they can attract the fans to help sustain a, a franchise. And Orlando's back because you played in there. I've, I've watched as a fan. Orlando can get very nasty with 20,000. It's been there before. <laughs> yes. um, um, yeah. I'd love to see Orlando get the fan base like that again. Uh, Carolina has a history of a great fan attendance back in the day. Uh, the one thing I, that's one thing I like about the, this league is that we have great ownerships right now, great potential, like San Antonio's popping, Albany is popping, Jacksonville is just doing Jacksonville things, and Orlando caught on fire at the end of the year with fan attendance. Um, but one thing I know about your organization is your social media game right now, I think is far superior than anyone else in the league. You guys are just <laughs> dropping everything like crazy. And it's, it's, I don't know what the term is for the kids these days. Vibing. Is that the thing, Zach? Vibing. Vibing <laughs> I mean, that's 100? a term. <laughs> Whatever. But I know the Albany, I know Albany social media is just kicking it. And I think that's one of the key concepts. I think the league itself should adapt is become that. Start, you know, you got to be social media 100 uh, percent because that's how you get the community involved for every, every seven organizations in the National Arena League. And as a fan, and you've played it when the heyday, I want to see that again. I want to see 20,000 in Jackson, I want to see 20,000 in Albany, I want to see 20,000 in Orlando because that's when the arena game is at its peak when those buildings are sold out. And when we do those things, I think that'll show we can sustain that and that we are back. And I think that'll generate uh, TV revenue and us being placed back on, on Main Street uh, when those arenas get like that. And I think you mentioned, you look at Albany, you look at Jacksonville, look at San Antonio. If you look at after the NFL season's over, after college basketball is over, there's really nothing going on in those cities. So you really have to take advantage of that. And with great ownership, with great leadership, you put a team in that arena, in that city, now you're going to have success because now you're, you're giving the city something to do. You're, 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 you're having the arena open when it would have normally been closed. With the arena being open and booked, that means more people are working more money is being generated within that community. Mm -hmm. And now it becomes a economic uh, growth mm -hmm. because more people work, because the arenas are open, uh, because people are going to different uh, places to eat after the games, uh, going to different sports bars. All those things generate revenue that I think with the pop, with, with, the, with great ownership and the great places, 
I think those are the things that would enhance everything mm-hmm. and allow us to go on mainstream and be on some kind of television. Yeah. I, and we're, we're hoping to see that growth as we continue. Obviously the arena game this year returning will be huge. Um, and Eddie, before we let, before we let you go, um, just wanted, you know, you, you touched on, I think a bunch of goals you, you, you and the organization have set for yourself this year, talking about the community growth, talking about, you know, you know, visiting and talking with other organizations. How do we grow this? Um, is there something, is there another uh, goal yourself that you maybe have in mind for this, this year, just being in that VP of football ops position now, uh, being its first yes. season for you? Yes. There's two goals I have that I would like to share with you guys. And you guys probably don't think I'm crazy, but I'm going to tell you the okay. truth. First of all, the NAL trophy does not have a name. It needs to be the touchdown Eddie Brown trophy. Ooh. So every champion, that would be the name of the trophy. That's one okay. goal I would like. The other goal is I want to be, I would like to be on the executive board and be and work with Siegfried on growing the league. Those are my two goals that I have outside of my team continue to be successful this year. Both sides have a nice a. ring to it. <laughs> or vote I. <laughs> I don't know. Prove Hand up here. <laughs> <laughs> I like the trophy idea a lot. That one, that's a nice ring to it right there. Yeah, but, uh, there's, um, there's no name, so that's, we need to name it. We need to have a name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why not be named after the greatest player to ever play in the Arena League? That's, that's I like what I'm hearing. The NFL's name Lombardi, <laughs> and that's one of the right. best coaches to ever coach the game. Thank so, you. Right. I have no idea what the lip balm trophy is named in college football because that's what it looks like, a lip balm. Um, right. <laughs> it's, just, it's a golden lip balm trophy. <laughs> like, oh my God. Good job, but Georgia. Every, but every rival has a name of, of a trophy, and it has a history behind the name of that trophy. Mm-hmm. Every rival. And they run and they go get the trophy when they win. So if you won it this year, we win it the next year, we run over there and we take our trophy. But every trophy has a name. Why doesn't the NAL trophy has have a name? So since they don't have a name, we should name it the Touchdown Eddie Brown Championship Trophy. Yeah, you keep you keep with uh, Coach Manas leading with the Empire Way. You guys might have your way soon enough, <laughs> soon enough after this season. That's all we're saying. <laughs> Basically, you you win the trophy. Go. We got three now. We have the most. We can name right. it. Right. Oh, the, the time is now. <laughs> Eddie, thank you so much for your time. Uh, it's again reiterating beginning. It's been an honor to talk to you. Um, Definitely a checkbox moment for our show um, to have someone of your caliber in the sport be on here. And we're wishing you the best of this season. We can't wait to see what you accomplish with the NAL and with the Empire as well. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. You guys have, great, have a great evening. Here's Prince from the goal line. Makes a move to his right. Now back to his left. He's still up, waiting for a block. He gets it, and he will score. Touchdown, Darius Prince. Thanks again to Touchdown Eddie Brown, VP of Football Operations, newly announced VP of Football Operations for the Albany Empire. Uh, Look, plenty to take away from this interview. First off, again, like we said at the end of it, but we cannot stress enough, we are honored to have 
such a high caliber and legendary arena football player to join this show. That has really been a a show bucket list item for both of us is to get to talk to him. And so that is fantastic. Secondly, though, I think he's put a lot in front of what we were speaking first, first segment. And he's very much, he seems bought in, you know, he wants this to grow. He wants arena football to get back to where it's at. And, you know, it's about being league first. And I, I think he really wants that to be stressed as this season and future seasons go on, because it seems like that, you know, he wants to be in this for the long haul, you know, grow this sport to where it used to be, where he was at when he retired. Well, when he said he wants the name on the trophy, well, that too, to park at executive uh, board, that doesn't sound like an individual who's just here to just, Hey, I'm just a part of an organization. It sounds like an individual where he wants to take the bull by the horns and take control of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and for a fan, as you know, I, I kind of, you know, geeked out. It was at touchdown Eddie Brown. Um, for him to say that really made me go, you know what? He has the right mindset. And I know him. I don't know him personally, but I know as his, his status, status is in the arena game, he's going to find people who want to invest in the sport and getting owners that have the investment where we can see just not Albany thriving, but we can see other organizations in the NAL thriving. We already know what Jacksonville will do. We already know what San Antonio can do. We already know what Orlando do. We know what Orlando is, their history. Um, they've done it. They've been there. They've won championships, not, yeah. not in the NAL, but in the history of the game. And you see that. You can see his energy, and you can feel his um, passion for the game. And also, uh, you, he – you could tell that Father Time kind of got involved with the wall. The walls always win. It's just, it's just saying, like, uh, <laughs> he said it was, what, 31, hit the wall. He was like, oh, yeah, I'm done. Well, you know, <laughs> I think some of my favorite talk with him was actually, like, the drills on saying, you know, I love the technical side of arena getting more addressed and talked about because it doesn't always get brought up. You know, I think a lot of people say, well, it's just football, but it's inside this confined space in, in a basketball arena. But I'm like, well, hang on a minute. You know, like I said, you, you talk about the wall, you got to adjust for that. You know, like he's talking about the wide or deeper angles on this stuff where it's not just, you're not hitting a wall. Like you get a little more, you get a little more like gradual climb towards that. Like that stuff I love hearing about, you know, because that that that's specifically to that sport, you know. That's the strategy you have for this sport, you know. It's it's not only like football catching like catching a football and doing that. There's a lot of technicality to it, but like having specific drills where you're adjusting your body to you know angle where you're not hitting the wall right or being able to adjust for routes that way. That's cool. I love hearing that stuff. So getting that angle from a guy that you know, as we as he even put himself and as we've said, one of if not the best to do it in this game and be an example of like a prime prime star player of this sport, you know, that that's great. I love hearing conversations like that too. Well, he has the record 303 he does touchdowns. Also, as you heard in the highlight reel before we jumped in. <laughs> and honestly, when you look at, if a guy like Eddie Brown speaks about a sport that he's, he's played, he is basically the hometown hero in Albany. Mm-hmm. But that's basically you looking in the NFL and you talk to guys like, you know, Brett Favre, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Eli Manning, um, Philip Rivers, Matt, you know, Matt Ryan, the quarterbacks who been through the trials and tribulations of the NFL and how the game has changed from 
back from the Dan Marino era or back from, you know, Joe Namath era. Mm-hmm. You can tell the passion these players have for the sport, and you can tell how the game has grown. The arena game has grown since uh, Eddie's played. And he's already said in the interview what Albany needs to do to extend its popularity or its to extend its reach, just not in the city of Albany, but the community around Albany, the, uh, the capital region area. But also na- nationally, he even said it, bigger you get, the more solidarity, the more, more of a foundation you have in the league, the bigger names will start calling, the bigger letter TV networks will start looking at you. But that's one thing you look, and of course, when he said Coach Siegfried, he means Commissioner Siegfried. Um, right. <laughs> yeah, I remember, Siegfried was a coach back in the day in the, in the arena game. That just tells you that his mindset is there, but yes, he does have a point about trophy. When he said his name needs to be on the trophy, what other player in the arena game could be name could be on the trophy? I only know one other player that can be on that trophy's name, but Eddie Brown, in my opinion, has the accolades that he deserves to be on the trophy. Um, but the other player is a quarterback, and I'm not going to mention him because this is not the Albany. He's not Empire. But for Eddie Brown, put the name on the trophy. That trophy needs like. The 2023 NAL Championship Trophy should be called the Touchdown Eddie Brown Championship Trophy. And we joked at the end of the interview, if Albany wins in the third one, they get the most NAL titles, so they have the right to name it. Well, I mean, at that point, plus you got your son who's part owning it, so it's like, yeah, eh, you know, three straight titles if they pull off the three-peat. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're kind of making the case. Hey, you know, anything's possible. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so I know this is not NAL-related, but – what happens in 10 and 15 years from now, the Lombardi trophy may get renamed to the Belichick trophy because Belichick won it six times. That'd be weird for me to think about, but but still, but you look at all the great trophies, they all have their names. And I made fun of the college football trophy because it, it looks like lip balm. It looks like you buy something from target, pop up, pop up in. <laughs> it looks like a right. golden lip balm. Um, I want my crystal ball back in college football. <laughs> Uh, but it, it will never happen. I do. I do miss that trophy. By the it's way, it's the best I, trophy. I thought it was. It's better than the one they have now. Personally, yes. I love yes. the old one. But BCS <laughs> crystal crystal glass forever yeah. the best one in college football. Yeah. Either that or get the Fiesta Bowl trophy that costs like one point four million dollars or something like that. It's Ooh. like just that's huge. You can go basic. You can do the Orange Bowl. Just slap a bunch of oranges into a cup, and then there you go. Yeah, yeah. Where you get this trophy from? Walmart uh, for forty-five dollars. <laughs> Look, man, it's it's efficient. You're, you're not overspending. Yeah. We we had to use it for other budgetary needs. Okay. <laughs> yeah. These are good oranges. These are natural oranges, <laughs> organic. Yeah, I went to Whole yeah. Foods and bought these things. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Capital Capital One be like, oh, you want a sponsorship anywhere? Guess what? You just made the list. We're not getting one. <laughs> but What's yeah, in my, uh, what is in my wallet? Let's check. Uh, uh, I got I a, I got a receipt. I got a receipt for naval oranges. <laughs> uh, I don't want to look at my wallet um, because if I every time I look at my wallet, I go, "Oh, great! There's oh, something God. there that we, wasn't there five minutes ago." 
All right, we've strayed off track. Let's get back into the meat and potatoes here. Um, oh, come on. Players. Players, you know, teams need players. Okay, anyway, no. Uh, players, let's talk Albany Empire roster. <laughs> Shall we? Teams need players. Uh, yeah, let's go to uh... – Great. You told him to get back on track and you throw that out. Now I'm going like, look, jokes are common on this show, but uh, good producer, sir. Whoever, whoever is in the background, please. I'm going to Duke hazard this thing now. Uh, Yes. Let's go to players. (laughs) Here are the, here are the returning players for the 2023 Albany empire. And of course, Nick Haig, Castronova, the obvious. And you got other guys in there like uh, Hollis, uh, Markel Quaid, Dwayne Hollis, Darius Prince, Cornelius Lewis, Trayvon Shorts, to name a few. These are the, if you're listening on the um, podcast platform, I do apologize, but I, if you're watching on YouTube, on Twitter, on online streaming services, so you, get, you get graphics if you jump on the YouTube nah, stream. See, that's uh, just you just letting you know. Subscribe because it builds morale. Uh, these are the, the return. There could be a couple of players, but we do know, we do have a player that did, uh, did not make this list, by the way. Uh, he just signed on, on a day of recording. That's Vinny Testaverde Jr. He is back with the Albany Empire. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't really sign. He was already with the Empire. He just had out of league exempt. The Empire owned his rights, so he came back to the Albany Empire. Uh, here's a list of some of the uh, the new additions to the team. Um, you got uh, Derek Cole Pattern, uh, Patton, excuse me, Isaiah James, Isaiah Hardy, uh, Phyllis, Joseph Hess. Uh, there's a couple of unique players. Uh, I, again, Manas will talk about some of these guys, and the wrap up uh, of this uh, the almost set schedule. Wrap up the players. You got Joseph Patu, who is a journeyman. Uh, mm-hmm. You got uh, Quayshon Ford, who is also another journeyman in this league. Uh, and you got some familiar names. You have Atkins. You got Pargo in there, which are Pargo. You got names that you've noticed from other leagues, um, but. Most importantly, you look at the Albany Empire, you look at the main core guys, Brandon Cisse, Cornelius Lewis, Darius Prince, Dwayne Hollis, Marco Orozco, uh, Markel Wade, Melville Hollis, Nick Haig, uh, Sam Castronova, and Trayvon Shorts. Those are the names that everyone should know um, because those are the guys who did the thing last year and the year before that and won championships, especially with the man in the middle with Brandon Cisse. So there's some guys there. Um, again, uh, they, from a lot of the sh- other shows we talk about, they have the best receiver core. They have the best quarterback room. Albany has the best core returning. They have the best core players returning because in my opinion, they did it. They won it. They coming back to do it again. And when you have guys like Cisse, Haig, Castronova, Marco, uh, Trayvon Shorts, the name a few, when you have 14 of your core players returning, that's half. That's more than half your roster. That's above half your roster returning. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. And with 36 guys on roster right now, seven of those are going to get cut um, from what Manas said. And there's going to be seven studs on this team that are not going to be playing for Albany, probably playing somewhere else, what Manas will say. Um, but overall, I like the roster. Are they a championship roster? They have two titles. You can see the boys then bomb the screen. You got both Nick Hag and Sam Krasnova holding two tra- trophies. They know how to win championships. It's not nothing about that. But when you look at trying to build for a three-peat, usually a team that has a common 
similar the core players return like I've stated with the NOS stay with other guys stay with other coaches it's so hard to keep core players on in arena teams they usually go right. somewhere else and they brought 14 back that's very impressive um all uh Manas talked about the Albany way. What what's mean to be about Albany? Well, when you get 14 guys back who are first teamers, NAL second teamers, MVPs, um, regular season, everything, championships, trophies, rings, confetti, um, what do you need? That's that's the Albany Empire. I know, I know a lot of people have messaged us or said some of how we we may show fandoms to other organizations too much. But one thing, I look at this team and I look at Manas and I look at how this team is built. You have respect. Sometimes there's a term out there: "Come at the king, you better not miss." Um, yeah, they did. They were the champions last year. They had a couple of hiccups on the way. Uh, they kind of went to a mid-season slump, but that core of players they had came together and said, not today, not this year, not this season. They straightened up and basically told me, told you to eat it. We're going to win the championship again this year. Um, so someone did ask me from the organization that's in my city, if you were a betting man, will you bet against Albany winning the championship this year? And I told him, no, I won't bet against them. I think they will be, I'm betting them for them to win the championship this year. Because that term I just said, come at the king, you better not miss. Until someone shows me they can beat Albany in a championship game, I will not pick anybody against Albany. You heard it first here, early, late March, early April, for the 2023 season so yeah yeah it, it it's kind of hard at this point like i said you talk about the returning players and I, that's one mm -hmm. thing that i think gets brought up a lot like we saw with that with that list you know yeah. i mean and some of the best ones too i mean like we talked sam castronova could have been could have definitely had an argument for you know mvp last year you know he, he played his tail off coming on his sec his second season and really was i think you could argue the biggest surprise last year in the NAL uh, at the, at the QB position. So him being back and him getting to have, you know, two of his two or three of his main target, really three of his main targets. Cause I mean, Hollis, you know, credit, you know, he's a DB, but like, you know, say they do need to shift him over, then they can have him, you know, having Prince and, you know, Markel Wade alone are great assets to have that are returning receivers that know their guy. And then of course you have solid offensive defensive line play right back on your side, you know, Melvin Hollins, Brand Cisse, Cornelius Lewis, that was a formidable DL and OL as well. So, you know, really good talents across the board. I will say the newcomers, as you see on the screen, if you're watching on YouTube, you know, I love Anthony Cruz, Brandon Foy. These are two guys that are good Ironman talents that you can put in. I really like the acquisitions of Daquan Patton, and I like Joseph Putu. Putu, keep in mind, he came over. He was a USFL talent last year. Um, so to me, having someone, you know, credit, he was let go by the Panthers, but this is a guy that can play at that level. He's played at a SEC level at Florida. Um, that's someone you can't slouch at, and especially if he's going to be a specialist, that's a good talent to bring in right out of the bat. So, 
you know, I'm digging these, I'm digging a few of these newcomers, but like you're talking, Jim, uh, their roster of just veteran guys that were part of that championship team that cannot be understated. They have a core that is ready to go and knows what they need to do to get right back to the mountaintop this season, even for some of the newcomers that are in. And even those newcomers, like we said, Cruz and Foy, like those two alone, those are veteran players. They've been in the league already a season or two. They know what they need to do. Now they're coming to the empire and are going to be part of a championship team that definitely knows what it needs to do. Manas and, you know, and Damon Ware, those two definitely have things ready to go. One thing I will say when we have Manas on later, I wish I would have been able to ask him about, you know, what does Ware have cooked up this season? Because as we knew last season, we talked so much about how they got shorts into the running game. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering how much they've been scheming on, like, new things they can try and throw twists in you know, to see what they can do to rattle up the current arena formula. Now with the Nets in too, and a few of the new rule changes, I do wonder because they very much are experiment, very much experimentational type of people when they do this stuff the last few years. I just, I, I just know something, some new hijinks are going to be thrown in these playbooks for these guys. It's bound to happen. Well, when you look at an organization or a team like Albany, one thing that you've noticed from when, 2020 season until now our 2021 season until now is the consistency of when they do have a you know either a slump something changes like yeah. Trayvon Schwartz came in halfway through the season and all of a sudden their offense was a different beast because they, they had a weapon back there as a running back that helped Castronova you know be more comfortable not just for him hiking the ball and scrambling around trying to find a secondary or third option and maybe run. Trayvon was that ideal or that ideal mm -hmm. position. And then you look at other seasons a couple of years ago when you had uh, Tommy Grady, you know, they were starting going to slump and all of a sudden they get Malachi Jones and the team started to, you know, starting to throw. You had Malachi Jones and you had, um, and you had uh, Darius Prince. So the team started, uh, started to push. Of course you had Mar uh, Ross. Uh, this year, like you say, what can be the de facto something different from last year? It's almost to a point where you can say that an organization or a team like Albany needs ha needs to have something that happens during the season before you can actually see something occur. Meaning, you see, when Malachi joined Albany, yeah, they weren't you know in a losing streak. Their offense was kind of struggling, kind of sluggish, and he got in and it's and it started picking up. Then last year, the the Empire were on a losing streak. Like they were they mm -hmm. were playing they were not playing good football at all. And they got Trayvon from a free agents acquisition, and all of a sudden their offense picked up. Then their offense started getting the full gear. Then they were one of the most dynamic, lethal offenses in the league. And their defense improved. Um, went from that defense that was leaking that was their defense was the reason why they were losing these games because their offense was scoring points and their defense couldn't stop anything. And then that player acquisition changed everything. Kenny Bill's acquisition changed everything for Albany. There's always something in a season that changes. Maybe there's a, a key loss um, player or a game that really, you know, sparks something. And for Albany last year, it was that losing streak two years ago. It was just, yeah, they were winning games, but they weren't dominating games. And then they got Malachi yeah. and they got dominated. Um, for Coach uh, for uh, Coach Wade, I don't think it's something that you'll see right off the way, right off the bat. 
I think it's something that you see like a week eight, week nine this season. Like, oh, that's what that's the adjustment you see. Because uh, we've said even before the start of last season, there's going to be a team that's going to go out of the gate, catch on fire because they, they'll catch the Iron Man rule and understand it faster than everyone else. And then the pack will catch up. That happened yep. last year. You're yep. going to see something similar this year in, in, in the NAL somehow where their team's going to catch on fire and the pack's going to catch up. But you look at overall status of all the teams, Albany has more experienced players. Albany has done there, has been there and done that. And I think for something to really be, you know, dynamic, something that's going to be flashy, I don't think you're going to see it in Albany until they're forced to do it. And if you have the best team, you may not, you may not even show it till when it matters the most, and that's week 18, which is a championship game. Um, but there's going to be some, you know, twists and turns. Like every team, they're going to have something that's going to be new. But for me. The last two years, you, you knew the moments. The question is, do I see a moment in time that it happened this year? You won't know. You, you it could it could be week two, it could be week nine, it could be the championship game. Yeah. But one thing, like Manas mentioned it, other coaches have mentioned it. The difference between this year's team and last year's team is one thing. It's a new year, and it's a different team. It definitely is. <laughs> so it absolutely is. They have core like players. The question is. Everyone else has different players too, so the game's different. They'll find their twerk tweaks, twerks. That's different, ladies and gentlemen. That's a <laughs> oh, thing. whoa, whoa! Now, wait <laughs> <Yeah>. a minute. <laughs> whoa, Moving away. Hello. Well, my yeah. thing is uh, last. My last comment on the players' side is who's going to be the next like Markel Wade, next, you know, Sam Castronova for the for the Empire, where it's like they find that guy, they pick up in front in the new list. And that they just make him become one of not like one of the main role players or one of the stars on this team. Like that, those are the guys I'm looking out for because, like last year, those two in particular, you know, Wade came in later, came in and, you know, he became a really solid role player two ways and was one that was making plays almost every game. And then Castronova, again, the big, as we said, the biggest surprise in the league last year was his leap from year one. So you just wonder who they're going to pick up from that new list of guys that you showed that will be that breakout. I'm not hundred percent right now. Um, I will say the next Markel to me will be either Cruz or Foy. I can, or Patton actually Patton is my leader right now for that. I, I have good feelings about Patton at this point. I like, I like the kid from what I've seen. I got two players. Um, yeah. Two for defense and Antoine Grant wide receiver offense. That's an, I, you know, that hasn't been talked. We haven't talked yet about that. I'm glad you brought that up because that's a very recent one. Mm-hmm. Grant coming back. That's a, that one kind of went under the radar a little bit. And I, and I forgot to add it on the street. I just now mm-hmm. realized I'm like, oh, I forgot about Antoine. Yeah. It, it, yeah. If Grant's, like I said, Grant, when fully healthy, he is one of the top receivers in this league when he's fully healthy. I, I hope I, he's had some bad luck in recent few years. I hope it holds up because dude, dude can ball out at the receiver position. And we only got like a slight hint of that last year, like only a sliver of that in like a few games. So mm-hmm. if he's fully healthy and in there, watch out. He is going to be a problem and he'll make Darius Prince even more of a problem on the opposite side without a doubt. Agreed. Yeah. Speaking of head coach Tom Manas, as we've talked about with a bunch of the recent signings, and of course what Damon Ware has maybe in store, we were able to sit down with head coach Tom Manas. You didn't think we'd do an Empire episode without him on here, do you? 
No, no. So we got to sit down with head coach Tom Manas and kind of talk about things to look forward to this season in his pursuit for a three-peat. Well, I guess four if you count. It's his fourth four Empire Championship three-peat three for him. You get it. Check out that interview right now. I don't want to lose any this year. I want to make it so when you guys are at the airport and they find out your plane landed, they already put an L next to them on the schedule. I want it to be like that. Our expectation is we win every single game. We don't even think about losing. Once you guys believe it, we're going to be unstoppable. Joining us today for our Albany Empire episode previewing their season for the 2022 year. It's the first of a possibly of two, three-parter, you know, right now. It's uh, plenty of pieces to the Albany puzzle this season. A lot of news coming out of there. But, of course, we have to talk to Coach Tom Manas. We love getting him on the show, and we're going to bring him on in right now. Uh, <laughs> I see you. I see you. So you don't love having me on this show. Who are you getting? Oh, now. <laughs> oh. That's <laughs> all right. No, that's all right. How, how, how are things for you, Coach? Uh, see, uh, we're seeing the social come out. Things are starting to ramp up for you guys, off-season programs even more so and all that. Where, where are you at right now? Um, right now I'm learning about Instagram. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, six, I'm 63 years old this month, and I told um, my kids are laughing at me because I have uh, new ownership that, you know, that loves social media. So I'm becoming better at it. And um, they're, they're great. Um, it's been uh, my new reality is, um, yeah, I'm writing a book when this is over. I'm telling you right now, <laughs> this, this getting a book or a movie out of this deal. So yeah, but no, it's, you know, it's been great. Um, it's great to have football guys around you all the time. And they're football guys, like through and through. Um, I'm talking, of course, about Antonio Brown and his dad, Eddie. So um, I'm just so fortunate, you know, uh, this late in my career to have something like this happen is <laughs> it keeps it fresh, man. Let <laughs> me tell you. So, yeah. It's been fun. I mean, no no joke for for me and Jim here. I'll, I'll just start off. That that news alone, we're like, we had to pause for a second, kind of hit the pause on our regular lives go, wait a minute now, <laughs> and then kind of look at the – you know, look at the tape again and go, okay, no, this is real. Um, wow. Oh, right. You know, I got, I got told about it um, a little earlier and um, I thought, well, okay, that's great. Football guy. That's, that's cool. And you know, he's voted one of the top 10 greatest NFL players of all time. Um, and his dad, of course, is an AFL legend rated. Some people say Barry, some people say Garcia, but it really is Eddie Brown, what he accomplished. And, um, so it's just fantastic that way. But I mean, in the span of 24 hours, I was talking to TMZ and, uh, you know, ESPN and Fox and CNN and I mean, everybody. And um, what I'm happiest about, and I know what Antonio's happiest about and Eddie as well, is the fact that it put the National Arena League on a national stage. Okay. And we're not done. So, um, there's going to be some other things coming up. I'm sure where, um, you know, all the networks will be back shortly. We'll just say that. So it, okay. it's been it's been a blast, and um, you know, the the attention not only it's garnished from the media, uh, which is really great, but I have a lot of NFL guys reaching out to me, older NFL guys. Um, as a matter of fact, I got somebody from who was a, a, a 
very famous running back for the Jacksonville Jaguars. His son's going to be joining us here in the next couple of days. So we have, well, let me just say, we have a lot of, uh, we, we have a lot of attention from the NFL alumni right now. And so uh, it, it's been fun, um, you know, even to the extent where uh, by the time this show airs, um, we had signed Vinny Testaverde Jr. earlier on, and mm -hmm. it just came out today that, you know, uh, some people were talking about that he had been released by the Edmonton Eskimos prior to camp. And Vinny called me, says, Coach, you know, um, I know it's a big ask, but you can still give me an opportunity. I said, I always tell my guys that go up, I'll always give you a soft landing back. I'll at least give you an opportunity. So Vinny will be coming back to us. We just registered nice. him with the league back today. Um, and, it, and it's that kind of attitude where guys want to come here and play now. So it's um, we've created something pretty special. Pretty speaking, special. speaking about bringing guys back, you brought you basically brought your core back. The guys who lead you, led you to the championship the last two years. How uh, is it four, hard? Four, I'm sorry, 14. Four, what, that's still a lot of players. Well, that's the oh, most in the league. That's the most in the league that um, 14 players returning players from last year. And we have might have one or two showing up from 21 too. Oh, hello. Yeah, that, that's even more impressive. Uh, yeah. What you, 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 Levesque, uh, the whole organization say the Albany way. Yeah. What is so, what's so enticing for players? It's because it's very hard. You've coached this in this league and you've grown in this league and, and other yeah. leagues. It's hard mm -hmm. to retain talent in your cities. Yeah. How, I would love to take the credit for that, Jimmy. I, I would, um, but I can't. Um, I don't think any one of us individually can take take that. Um, Coach Ware and myself have been here from the beginning, and we're a partnership. And I, I explained to guys yesterday, we, we had a, in the team meeting, I said, you know, I want you to understand my style. Um, my style is real simple. First of all, it's very hard to play in Albany. Mm-hmm that's part of the empire way we make it hard to play here and because we're gonna try to outwork everyone and that goes for coaches i already had a coach intern resign after a couple of days you know oh. he's like i'm good you know it's like i'm okay. good i i don't want 15 hour days i'm good you know but what we do is um and I tell them that there's no hard feelings. It's like ringing out if you're trying to become a SEAL. You know, that it, it doesn't mean you're not a great soldier. It just means you're probably not a good fit for that. And that's how we look at it is it's very, very hard to play here. It's very, very hard to work here. But if you're committed to doing that, there's something about embracing the suck, if you will, um, that brings brotherhood together. And so these guys starting last year especially – formed a bond and you heard me say on your show and I've said on every interview, I would have gave away all my rings for those guys to win a ring last year. And I meant it because I, I think those guys will be friends for the rest of their lives. And so 14 of them decided, Hey, we want to come back. And the other ones that we didn't bring back for whatever reason, but they'll always have a place in that family. So now this new group comes in and my hardest job right now is I have about 32 guys uh, in camp. And um, the seven I'm going to cut could start for everybody else in this league. So yeah, it, it's a matter of that. That's a hard thing. So I'm, um, you know, we're always trying to tell people that 
you know, hey, you're going to compete against this guy, this guy, and this guy. And um, and they accept the challenge. So if they're willing to come in and do that and show what they can do. Uh, in the past, I've always made cuts throughout camp. So this year, because of the talent we brought in, I'm making one cut. That's the very last day. And I'm going to try my best. Cutting any... players. Sorry? I was going to say, is cutting players, is that like the hardest thing to do as a coach in any nah. level of football? No, nah, the hardest thing to do is lose. Uh, Good point. Yeah, so, so right. So for me, the hard because the way I do it is if I'm going to release a player, the first thing I do is, and I tell them this on day one, um, the first thing I'm going to try to do is trade you. And I don't need anything back for you when I trade you. I just need to help you get a job. And then if mm -hmm. I can't help you get a job, then I'm going to call other leagues, my friends in the IFL or my friends in CIF or my friends someplace else, and I'm going to still try to get you a job. And then if I can't do that, um, you know, I'm going to give you a reference. And then if you can use it, great. So I was trying to make it a soft landing because we've all been, if you played pro ball, you've all been cut, right? There's nobody, you know, it's you at one point in your life, you've been told no. So I try to make that as easy as possible. The second part of that is that's if you're a good guy. You know, if you're a turd, I throw you on a bus, get you out of town. It's mm -hmm. that simple. So but we don't have turds here. We don't have guys like that because we mm -hmm. vet them. And what's different about us is we don't just look for football players. We look for really good people that happen to be good football players, not good football players that we hope they're good people. So um, that makes it where if you have, if you guys, you know, you guys know you're in the work environment. If you go to work every day and you hate the 25 closest people around you, it's miserable. But if you love them, it's not even like really going to work. It's like going to your other house. And so that's what we've tried to create. And that's, that's the, the epitus, if you will, the, the, the base of the empire way. Part of, part of the empire, empire way for yourself. And I, you talk about social again, I'd be been following some of the new content coming out. And they, uh, recently on recent on Twitter and Instagram, they dropped a little bit of uh, your locker room talk saying, look, I want all 12 games this year. I want to, I want to go, I want to go be undefeated, all undefeated if I can. Yeah, we're, we're going you undefeated. Know? And then that's the thing. I, I was waiting for that first off, but second, you know, I mean, how do, you, how do you follow up? You know, it's two two championships now. You're looking for a three-peat. I mean, you know, there, there's got to be a thing to keep for, yeah, for as well, uh, AFL. But, I mean, keeping consistent, you know, that how do you keep that consistent level? That That's something I think that is one of the hardest things to do as an organization, just saying every year we're going to do this and this alone and execute that. Um, I think you bring in, first of all, the people that, and you, uh, again, I preface this. When I sign a guy, I actually almost try to talk him out of it before I sign this contract. <laughs> you know, it's like, you really don't want to do this. Trust me, it's going to be brutal. We're going to, you know, this is what we're going to do. But if they commit and they dive in, then we're all in. But um, realistically, you know, I was asked this the other day by a reporter and they said, well, what's your favorite ring, you know, your championship been so far, right? And I always say the next one because, you know, I could really care less about um, the rings and the and the and that. For me personally, they're now I'm you know I call them collected scalps. Okay, and so what I want to do is I want to collect scalps. I want to make either somebody's life 
really miserable and make my guys really happy or you know i i just want it to be fun in that way the old juice is flowing as an old coach you know that used to play that i can't play anymore but what i can do is i can still collect scalps by trying to beat you mm. and I, and i tell this to everybody uh yeah i'm gonna say we're not gonna lose this year and i say we're gonna go 16 and 0 we're gonna win the championship right and everyone will get all ruffled feathers and then you get another coach on gee whiz i hope we win and gee whiz and this and that or they come in just like some of the other coaches hey we plan on being in the show right god love them i i want someone to come in and and give us fights every week and you know coach where's worse than i am you know you guys just don't see it but i mean we want great we want to just like players get psyched up um and you're playing a DJ Myers last year, or you're playing, you know, a Jonathan Bain, or you're playing somebody like that. The players get hyped up. We get hyped up coaching other coaches. Like we love going against Gibson. Okay. Because I think oh, he's yeah. a good coach, right? I think he's a really good coach. And my thing is with coach is that I know it bugs him. He's never beat me. Right. In two years. I know it bugs him. Cause he's a competitive guy, but he's a great coach. So I love coaching against him. So it's almost like every time I go against coach Gibson, I try to give him the best version of me. Right. Cause I know he can mm -hmm. punch me in the mouth and, and just beat us at any given time. So there's coaches like that. There's going to be new coaches this year. We're going to teach them how it's done. Okay. But after that, you know, you got Fred Shaw and you know, this tit for tat thing that's going on one and one a and one B and all that BS. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, that's a fun game for us. Plus, I got one of my old coaches down there now helping. Right, you do. So that's what we get pumped up about as coaches. And the players get pumped up against players. So that's kind of how we keep it fresh and we keep excited every week. And, you know, and I just call them collecting scalps. You know, I, I don't know if that's an appropriate PC term anymore. But probably not. <laughs> I'm the one PC guy in this league, so it's perfect, right? You know, uh, I think – I think it's good. We're kosher. Yeah. <laughs> we'll know if that's, that's if YouTube takes the video down. If that, if you do, <laughs> we'll know. that would be the reason why. I hear, I hear Chris's voice, Jim, Zach. <laughs> well, did you guys ever see Inglorious Bastards? They collected yeah. scalps. We've seen it. We've seen it. Yeah. <laughs> right. I know what you're talking about. Right. <laughs> I, no, I, I, a, I don't. And that's, and that's the thing, guys, is that we, you know, we, we love what we do so much. And, but it really is at this point in my life um it's about how i can help a young man not only become a champion forget being a football player man you want to be mm -hmm. a football player play on saturday with your buddies and drink beer you want to be a champion professional football player and get treated like a professional football player then come here and and so what we try to do is not only do that part of it but our guys are all family guys so cornelius lewis he is my favorite human on earth right and so he has five kids and, you know, he's a great guy and all this. So anytime I just gave a speech to the rookies, this is his 12th year. Mm, yeah. Okay. And last year in his 11th year to make first team all NAL. I want you to think about that. Right. And there's others like Brandon Cisse and, and, and Dwayne Hollis and those guys too. But I have an affinity because CeeLo's a lineman, right. An offensive mm -hmm. line by trade. So I said to him, I said to the rookies, if you see him have a bag and you don't go over and pick it up and carry it for him and put it on the bus, you'll be ashamed of yourself because he's the reason you're here. Mm -hmm. 
he paved the way. You know, he's 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 grinded for 11 seasons in indoor football. And these kids are great that we bring in. So right away, you know, they're ready to wash his car and help him out and do whatever. But the point is, is that we don't do enough in this sport because we're a young league to honor the older vets. And so anytime we get an opportunity at our place to honor those guys that paved the way for these young kids coming in, they got the money up from $200 a game now and they're making a thousand a game or they're making 1800 a game or 2000 a game is because of these guys who started at $200 a game and maybe right. a $50 win bonus and a cold pizza and a beer after the game. Right. So <laughs> yeah, you got to thank them. You got to thank them. And Speaking so, of Cornelius' 11th season and you're, you're, this is what your ninth season. I think I heard you say me. Uh, yeah. Is it in ninth? arena. Yeah. In it's, arena. it's, uh, four, Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. This will be my tenth year. Tenth year. I, I, yeah. It was either ninth or ten. I heard when you were with Levin. in arena. Yeah. yeah. Training camps here. Your new team. Get thirty-two. You just said got to get down to twenty-six. We had a couple of people, fans, ask us questions. How does the like signing player then trading his rights or whatever? How is that? Is that a complicated thing to do in the league, or is it just if two teams agree they just swap? Well, that's been, a, that's been a big question around the league right now. There, there are some coaches in this league or used to be in this league that used to do that like they were playing checkers. Mm -hmm. And I used to love it because I was playing chess. Mm -hmm. And uh -huh. so I always did pretty well. Matter of fact, we did pretty good with some of those Jacksonville guys, didn't we? Yeah, anyway, um, <laughs> right. So, so yeah, I, I, yeah. Think, I think it's not just doing a trade. You know, like I offered a person, um, you know, we have some stuff going on where some players are failing to report around the league, right? With teams. And there's rumors why they're not doing it and all that. I don't get involved in any of that noise, but I've called coaches up and said, Hey, um, I want this kid. Let me have him, And I'll give you a player to be named later. And I always do. And they said, well, what do you mean? I go, well, I'm cutting six studs here in a week and I'll give you first pick of the litter. You can have first pick. You know what he said to me? No. And I said, you know, any of these six could start for you, right? <laughs> so, on, you know, I've I, more often than not on trades, um, they've been so my kids can keep playing. Um, Richie Anderson is a great example. Richie Anderson is one of the nicest young men you'll ever meet in your life. Come on. He's got to go against his rookie year, learn the game, first of all, and then go against Darius, Wade, Hollis, Washa, right. you know, all those guys, right? So he got through camp, and I just said, Richie, I can't use you, but let me trade you. And I traded him to Orlando for a future consideration, and now he's, I think, a starter, you know, or a potential starter. And he wrote sure. me a beautiful letter. Coach, thank you so much. Thanks for helping me out and this and that. So there's some you do because it's the right thing to do. And then there's some you have to do out of necessity. And I understand as a coach, uh, other coaches around the league have to make deals to fill needs, you know. I mean, you think about it, like, just to use, you know, if I have a Jonathan Bain, all of a sudden I don't have a Jonathan Bain, then I got to hurry up and get a guy, right? So they did great, you know. They got Arvell, got a great quarterback. Mm -hmm. But that's how fast you have to be reactive.
in this stuff. So you're always looking at the transaction wires. You're always looking at everything coming across. You want to be the first one. So what I always try to do is kind of look at the roster and think of who they might and get that guy's phone number before he gets cut or traded or cut or released. And that way, as soon as I read a transaction report, while everyone's looking for his number, I already have it. And I can call him then. So we'll do stuff like that. Um, it's not a big trade secret. It's just not being lazy. Just be ready, right? So mm -hmm. yeah. um, it's it's fun. You know, it's where I get to wear my GM hat, you know, because GMs are different in this league, guys. I got to tell oh, you. Oh, yeah. I mean, I when I first got here, they go, oh, you want to be the GM too? And I said, that's the only way I'll come is if I'm the GM too. And they said, oh, great. You sell sponsorships? <laughs> no. <laughs> That's not what a GM does. You know that, right? <laughs> Slow down here. Right. Hide by the groceries. <laughs> you know? It's on board for the players. Wait a minute now. Right. So it's, but I get it because, you know, as this game grew, it was that GM role was changed out of necessity. You know, that was your community guy. That was your guy selling sponsorships. That was your guy doing this. I came from, you know, a different world where the GM was doing the draft board and getting the offseason, doing contracts and doing this. And that's what I do. So I'm fortunate enough, my owners, Mike Corda and, and obviously Antonio and, and them, that they let me be a real GM. And uh, I really enjoy that part of my job for the other eight months out of the year. That's that, I love I love hearing all this. And, and I think you're, you highlight something perfectly clear. The transaction wire in arena is just it is its own cycle of things like it, it's its own entertainment to me is kind of every day kind of going, all right, what's new? You know, even more so than some other, some other leagues, I would say. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> pretty pretty yeah. much. Like uh, when it drops, every, all chaos breaks loose and everyone's like, what's going on? And you go look at him and go, oh, that's why. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. And you, and you guys know, because you're in these chat rooms, I'm not in any of that stuff, but um, you pretty much know who's getting released like a day or two before they're getting released because they're bitching on the internet that they're not getting reps or they're not getting this or they're not getting that. And we actually, you know, it's crazy. I'll tell you um, how sophisticated we've gotten in Albany at doing our research on players, um, whether they're going to stay on that team and we're doing a scouting report or not. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's, that's unreal. Coach, I want to ask you before you go here, yep. and I think it's just – Obviously, you've been very much involved with a ton of the rule decision making and just kind of helping with, you know, building up what's back to now true arena football again this season. Right. What do you oh, what do you want that. specifically to see just out of the gate this year? That's now like, OK, we are back to that arena professional level once more now in the NAL this time. What do I want personally? Yeah, for yourself. Okay, like, what, what do you I want, want for the league? Is we have a first week by. And I'd love to see about eight touchdown scores off the net. Nice. Because I'm not playing that night, and I want to see how it happens. No, I'm serious. I want to see how other oh, no, teams I... react to the net, right? See, yeah. I love first week buys. There's six teams playing, three got to lose. So I'm already doing okay, right? And then I get to scout everybody. Orlando is our first game. They play on the, the first week. I'll get an opportunity to see them, and then uh, we come back with San Antonio, and we'll get an opportunity to see them. So we'll get to scout them where I don't think anyone really knows what Herky's doing yet, you know? Okay. And it's, you, you, you know, and I know uh, Stafford's down there um, doing their offense, so it'll be interesting, you know? And that's the thing. I don't know what Gunnings does, you know? I have no idea what Coach 
Smith does cook Tate. I don't have no mm-hmm. idea, you know. So I'm anxious to see him play. Yeah, yeah good. Can't wait for that first week of the season, April eighth, coming up here. Um, I mean, for yourself, like you said, you get to scout, so it's nice for you. For us, we get to watch football again. We're arena football, so oh, we're gonna have a big watch party. It's a win-win. <laughs> I bet you are. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we got the pizza you. and wings ordered, baby. Yeah, we're ready. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. On opening day, I'm at a freaking wedding, so I'll be doing the AT and T commercial. We're like, uh, yes, yep. <laughs> the little earbud thing going on. Speak now, forever, hold repeat. God dang it! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Be, yeah, that's it right there. No, guys, thanks. Hey, listen, um, before I go, thanks again for uh, for for doing what you do. You know, I appreciate it, and uh, the league, I'm sure, appreciates it. I'll tell you what, um, I know AB and. Uh, Eddie appreciated too. Uh, and Mike, of course, is always so, um, you know, if there's ever anything you need, I, I talked to Darius Prince today too. And I told Darius that if these guys want to do a supplemental player show, um, I'll get you all your, you know, I'll get you cash Nova Prince, all those guys on one show if you want. So let me know. Yeah. Well, that would be fantastic. I think our audience would love that too. Yeah. They like those guys. <laughs> yeah. Doubt. They're kind of good. Yeah. <laughs> Well, well, Coach, thank you very much for your time for this Thanks, edition guys. of the show. Appreciate uh, yeah, you. seriously. Can't wait to see the Empire out there and playing come, uh, come well, week after week two, of course. I know you guys want to buy, but can't wait to see you guys out there. Can't wait to see that opening game against the Predators. That's going to be a blast over there at MVP Arena. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. Have a great night. Well, everybody, as you know, with these team previews here, we got to talk about where these players are playing the schedule time, as we have done with each one of these shows, we're going to break down with you the entire schedule of the Albany empire right now as Jim gladly pressed the key to push that bad boy up. And here's Albany. Albany is going to be playing like many of the other teams in the league, 14 total games this season. Um, you know, three buys for teams of that nature as well. Um, early thoughts, Jim, on the Empire schedule. Anything standing out to you that you've seen that you analyze about this? Uh, one thing that stands out to me is they have a big bulk of their home games early in the year in the first five weeks. Mm-hmm. They got three out of the four at home. And, and, and also what stands out is that they uh, don't play Jacksonville until week seven. Uh, yeah, and and they play both Jacksonville. They play Jacksonville two times in Jacksonville uh, this season. Of course, uh, again, uh, Albany is has a fourteen game schedule, like five teams, and their uh, two teams that they have the three games against are the Jacksonville Sharks and the Fayetteville Mustangs. They're home two of the three against the Mustangs. They're on the road two of the three against the Sharks. But when you look at the overall schedule. Um, week two, week three, they're home against both Orlando and San Antonio. They're at Carolina, then they're home against the West Texas Warbirds. Uh, basically how we've done our, our previews and chats, uh, we think San Antonio is one of the top key teams in the, in the league. We think uh, Carolina is in the mix. We think Orlando's in the mix as well. Um, and the test, again, would be going to Jacksonville, like what Minas uh, stated, is him and Gibson have a little – 
back and forth with each other. Um, and I think that I think Albany and Jacksonville can become that next rivalry in the NAL. Um, that the void of Columbus not being league for Jacksonville, so that could be a potential between the two organizations. We mentioned before um, in the Jacksonville preview the Battle of the Empires between Jacksonville and, and, and Albany. But if you look at the overall schedule, pretty balanced, uh, especially that back half. Uh, really no – okay, you got a two-game road trip, week 14, week 15. You're going to West Texas and going to Jacksonville. But you don't have any stretch there where you're not home. Um, you have – yes, you, your, your longest way home for Albany, uh, Albany fans is probably two weeks. Like mm-hmm. there's teams in this league yeah. that they they're not in their facility for seven weeks. That's Orlando and San Antonio. They're gone for seven weeks before they even have a home game. So the schedule is pretty balanced. And for the podcast listeners, week one, of course, the Albany Empire are on the bye week. Uh, week two, they're at Carol uh, at Orlando. Week three, they're at San Antonio. Week four, they're at Carolina. And week five, they're at West Texas, and they got a bye. Then it's at Jacksonville, home against Fayetteville, then bye. Then they're then they close out the season with a nice um, seven game. Oh, excuse me, nice eight game row, uh, eight game stretch uh, at Orlando, home against Jacks, at San Antonio, home against Fayetteville, at West Texas, at Jacks, home against Carolina, and at Fayetteville to close out the season. So you look at their seat. It it's I can say it's the benefit of being the champions. You have a schedule that very favor, favors your liking and not and opposing teams liking. So it's very balanced. There's key games there, of course. As a defending champions, you are the hunted. You're not the hunter. So when right. people say, what's the key games of your schedule? Every game. Oh, yeah. Is, <laughs> every game is, not, is a key game for the Albany Empire. Pretty much. Um, <laughs> it, it's not like how we're proving Jacksonville or San Antonio or Orlando. Who are the key games? Oh, it's, it's Albany. When, when you're previewing Albany, what's the key game? Week two, week three, week four, week five, every game, uh, because they will have the target on their back. They are the kings. Again, that term I say, come at the king, you better not miss. Uh, Albany is going to get everyone's A game, no matter what week it is, until Albany is A, eliminated, or B, they lose the final game of the season, the championship game. They are the kings. They are going to be the hunted, and every game is key. But if you ask me what game am I most looking forward to Albany this season, Honestly, it's week three. Oh, yes. Against, oh, uh, yes. Against, against, Arvell, against Arvell Nelson and the San Antonio Gunslingers. And also, the other game, their first real road test. I, I know Carolina's a road game, but the first real road test is week seven in Jacksonville. Those are the two games I'm really looking at. Um, but overall, how their schedule is put together – there's very favorable weeks. That back half of that schedule, I'm just going to say, I'm not, you know, roasting teams here, but when you're in a lot back eight games and you have Fayetteville and West Texas and then the three of the last five, sign me up um, yeah. if you're Albany. Um, yeah, you're going to travel to Fayetteville in the last game of the season. I, Based on how we previewed the season so far, I I have no I'm not going to be worried that 
Albany is a must win for Albany. I don't think Albany has Albany will clinch a playoff spot way before they get to the Fayetteville game. Um, but again, the two games, San Antonio week three, and then at Jacksonville week seven are my two games. I'm looking forward to for the Albany empire in 2023. I will say that you brought up some great points that I was going to bring up about this schedule where there's really, and I define a homestand to me as like three games. So there's no like to me, true homestand that the empire have except that first opening stint. They really do have like a, on a mixed up, like balanced schedule where they'll be on the road almost as equally as they are at home during their time this season, you know, and we do have to wait a little longer. Yeah. We got that bye week one, which is really more just extra wait for the season to start. And as, and, uh, we'll get to, I guess, uh, see and size up the Albany or other Albany competition and other matchups. But I'll tell you, I am very much with you. We've talked about this, this game since, since I think some signings were made and credit. Yes. Even with Arvell Nelson now looking like he will be the starting QB out there in San Antonio as they figure out the whole Jonathan Bain situation. From what I, we can tell week three still is, is bound to be a possible NAL championship matchup at this moment in time. Mm -hmm. Um, Arvell Nelson, I mean, Jim, you know, best he, he came in and helped the sharks lead them, lead them to a chance to a playoff position. Anyway. I mean, the, the guy is the guy when the final years of the AFL was one of the top quarterbacks in the AFL, you know, came in and helped a struggling Washington Valor squad go from a nothing to a something in 2018 by getting a championship. This guy's the real deal, you know, and is a lengthy tall QB can see over the line really well. You know, Arvell's no slouch. We know how deadly he can be. So, you know, whatever happens with Jonathan Bain, you know, the gunslingers have set themselves up still very well to be that still number two prospect or at least top two prospect to us. Mm -hmm. So that week three matchup, you know, if you're talking about aim for the King and don't miss, that's a first sign of like, okay, how serious is this? Remember last year we were talking about how Carolina, I mean, think about this. Carolina swept their series regular season against Albany. You know, we, you and I, we, we thought there was a chance that they could sweep all, all matchups. So, you know, this is very much, and that became the preview for the two that met up in the capital region. So this to me, like to us, it feels very much week three could be that early sign of what you might be seeing in that first week in August because these teams are loaded. You know, those two are very much the loaded ones in the preseason ranks for us that have a bunch of the all NAL talent, a bunch of the guys that were coming onto the scene, especially for San Antonio, guys that they took from a roster that really was making a playoff push mm -hmm. at the end of last season. They brought them back and said, all right, let's re-up. And now instead of having that late season push where we're rushing to it, now we can start off the gate clean. That week three matchup is going to be massive and they split. They have two matchups this year with the Gunslingers. One in back in SA, which, as remember, Albany did lose in San Antonio last year, and that was one that I think was left a little bit of some, uh, I say, some uh, licking wounds after that game for the Empire. So these two have a little bit of, and not to mention I got Jeremy Richardson over there. I mean, there's there's some uh, there's going to be some beef between these two. These are going to be entertaining football games. Must watch arena football coming in week three well you expect that we've been previewing san antonio as being that top tier but we've also stated that 
Orlando is another team where if they get their quarterback position right, they're going to be very deadly. They're going to be very explosive too. So that's going to be something to keep an eye on. Now, the, the, like the speculations, or you could say, oh, the speculation zone. Let's steal it from some podcast. I know. Uh, let's say if like Orlando got a quarterback, let's say like a Jonathan Bain. All of a sudden, bam, they're instantly week two. That could be something to be a threat. But because it's so fast, I don't think that's going to happen. So if there's, there's a chance, that would be week 10 in Orlando. Uh, Carolina, you got experience there. You got a quarterback that's won championships. You have some solid players there. Zach Brown, Lance Evans, Adam Smith, to name a few players. But, yes, for how we preview this season so far, and how San Antonio has presented themselves this off the season so far this off season, they are clearly. You can I'm not saying that they're the team that's going going to beat Albany. I'm just saying that right now, they have the best best chance to, you know, pushing Albany to their max. To they have the talent, they have a quarterback in Arvell, and they have key positions. They also have an Albany player, an Albany coach down there that knows the Albany way. Um, but the season is long. The season starts next week for six organization. Albany doesn't start for another two weeks. So one thing that benefits Albany right off the bat is that pivotal bye week, week one, because Manas and the coaching staff in uh, Albany can look at the competition and see what they can do, because Orlando plays Fayetteville to start off the season. So there's Orlando may look really, really good against Fayetteville or vice versa. It's week one. You won't know a lot of it, a lot of the answers. It's one thing about the arena game, especially for, for sake for Jacksonville last year. They started 0-4, and they made the playoffs because they got an addition to Arvell Nelson. That tells you what Arvell can bring to the game. But overall, the schedule-wise, I look at that schedule, I go, oh, when, when, possibly lost right there, when there, when there. Manas in the interview said 16 and 0. If a coach doesn't tell me that, I then, then they're not a coach to me. And every coach should believe that their organization could go 16 and 0, 14 and 0, 12. How many games? How many ever games we're playing this year? I believe that. that I believe that's that's what a, a coach should believe in their team. But for me and you, Zach, I look at that schedule and I go, you know, they can go 10 and 4 and feel good about it, 11 and 3 and be able, feel fine about it. But again, again, San Antonio, Orlando, they only play 12 games. So that winning percentage does come into play, but the head-to-heads between those two teams specifically, Orlando and San Antonio, are a lot bigger than the other teams in the league against Carolina, against Jacksonville, against Fayetteville, um, because they only played 12 games. And we saw that last year. Carolina did not get the one seed. Even though they won the season series against Albany, they lost it because Carolina played two more games in Albany last year, and Albany benefited off in the winning percentage, which was like a half a game that got Albany the home field advantage throughout the playoffs. That's mm-hmm. going to be another issue you got to look at this year between Orlando and San Antonio because they have 12, Albany has 14. Well, folks, as we're wrapping things up here, of course, with our uh, our final season prediction for this for the NAL's teams, Albany Empire, of course, as we you guys have been listening in. It is now that time, as we've done in recent shows, to give our bold predictions for the season. So uh, each one of us is going to give our our bold prediction. Um, and as we have done customarily on this show, uh, 
me leading in, I will ask Jim first, and I'll give my own. So, Jim, what is your bold prediction for the Albany Empire this year? My bold prediction for the Albany Empire is it, 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 sometimes it's not really bold when you think it's going to happen, but science. You know that gif that just says science? Mm, yes, yes. Science tells me, the prophecy tells me, the bold prediction for 2023 for the Albany Empire is that they will become the first NAO organization to 3P. Yes, Ooh. I think they'll 3 uh in 2023. That was, that was really a bold prediction or not? Or, okay, uh, here's another. Uh, Marco becomes a uh, special teams player of the year with hmm. points. That, that's a bold prediction. But, yeah, okay. that's, uh, I know it's not really bold. But, yeah, I think Albany wins the championship again this year. Not bad, not bad. I, I, I can see that one. Um, like I said, I think that that's right now preseason favorite for many people. So very much I can see being the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, my bold prediction comes down to, uh, honestly, I think one of the, I think one of the newcomers will be, will be named rookie of the year on the Albany empire roster that, that like one of the brand new folks in the NAL. Like I said, I got, I got a few names that I feel pretty confident in. Like I said, you might've been hearing me talk about Patton. So I'm, I'm mm-hmm. talking him up, but I'm getting a feeling that the Empire are going to produce the Rookie of the Year on there, and I think they'll produce the MVP. I think Castronova is going to follow up his year last year and put a stamp on that MVP mark that he had a chance at last season. I think this year he makes people say, hey, this wasn't a one and done. I, I, I'm i here to stay. So I think you get the MVP and the Rookie of the Year coming out of Albany this year. Impressive. Very impressive. Yes. Uh, the other the other bold pr- prediction for me was really more of a joke. Um, uh, the, the 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 playoff beards are already in effect for Coach Manos, and <laughs> yes. it's only not even week one of the NAL season. Pretty impressive predict- beard, by the way. I, that, yes. I gotta say, that is pretty impressive. Um, I expect at least three or four inches of growth. Like it needs to be like right here by championship. It needs to really come out. I'm not talking about Santa Claus type of growth, but I'm talking about, you know, <laughs> good growth. Um, but yeah, I think that'd be a bold prediction to get like a little inch growth, you know? Um, but right now, yeah, he already has the playoff beard in full force. So I just want to see it, you know, become lusher. <laughs> like, yeah. And, you know, embrace the playoff beard in week one already. <laughs> so yeah, that's my playoff. Uh, my, outrageous bold bold predictions people that's all that's all we got to say for for that here and some i think some ones that we can see possibly panning out as well well jim another thing we got to give up is of course that ticket giveaway we got that i got a question like i said if you guys are stuck around you got to answer the question to win the tickets so subscribe to the youtube channel if you're on that podcast page this is a great time to jump on over there and check out the video version, which if you click the bell, you not only build morale, but you get reminders on when these episodes drop. So that goes right to your phone or desktop. Uh, share on your favorite your favorite NAL moment on one of our social media channels. So one of our posts, just you know, give us a comment or tweet at us, at InWallsPod. Again, that's also for Instagram and Facebook as well, at InWallsPod. Give us your favorite NAL moment that you've had over the past several years in NAL history and answer this ticket giveaway question, which Jim will be providing right now. The question is actually pretty funny. 
because it's a, a very good moment for uh, in Walt's pod history. The question was this. A moment passed, not giving the episode, Zach Kalman made a statement. The only way a team loses to a bye week, this happens. And that's the answer. I'm so I am so biting my tongue so that I do not repeat this because I still I still have a laugh at this. This is like an inside joke on this show anymore. It, it is. It, it, I so. literally almost fell out of my chair, which I don't have anymore. That chair actually broke. Um, <laughs> oh wow! When he, when he said that, I'm like, I was I was gone. I was like, you, you, you get the dead face. Um, but yes, it, uh, the question for the ticket giveaway is: Zach made this quote. If a team loses the bye week, it's due to this. Put that in on your favorite social media platform. Subscribe to this channel, which again, if you're on the podcast or if you're tuning in for the first time, say you're an Albany fan from the Capital Region, hey, join on. We got a lot of Capital Region fans on this show, like a lot of them. So jump on in on the bandwagon, man. Come on down. Get two tickets to go to that opener against the Preds or anyone else. You know, if you're wanting to go to your favorite game, West Texas fans, maybe you're curious in Odessa, you're hearing about this NAL, check us out. We got a few folks that tuned in very well for that West Texas preview. Maybe you're wanting to know what your competition's like and you're curious. I'd do that right now. So stay tuned and definitely answer on your social after the show. Or come sit with me in Jacksonville. That too. You can go meet up with Jim in Jacksonville, Florida. You know? But yeah, that again, this is an overdue ticket giveaway that we were supposed to do last year, but it got hectic. Um, but yes, your game, your team, you pick what game if you get selected. Means if you get selected and you want to go to week nine's game between Orlando and San Antonio, that would be your game. Just full warn you, it's not gonna be wall seats not gonna be sweet seats they're gonna be right. decent seats um i'm not going to put you in the very upper upper deck because in some of these <laughs> arenas they really don't have an upper and upper deck you're not gonna be up you're gonna have good seats but you're not gonna get the first class seats um because you'll still enjoy like there's no bad seat in the house in an uh, arena the, game there really there, isn't i've been into most of the well i've only i've been to four of the arenas in this league um they're not a bad seat there's a couple yeah. i need to go visit they're the ones that are out my reach San Antonio, West Texas, and um, Albany. But still, not a bad seat. And, of course, if you watch the live streams, you see the arenas. And, of course, if you really want to get there, especially if you're in Albany, ladies and gentlemen, visit uh, AlbanyEmpireNAL.com or visit Ticketmaster as ticket sales are on sale right now. I almost said sale twice. It's on sale, sale. On sale, sale. But, yeah, tickets are on sale now for all NAL teams. Uh, visit their websites. And that will, ladies and gentlemen, Finally, Zach, it concludes the 2023 NAL preview series. Over 3,000 downloads, so many shares, so many likes. Thank you to the listeners and the fans out there for letting us do it. Um, again, Wednesday we have a new uh, show dropping, and on Friday we have a show dropping. Wednesday is our prediction show, and Friday is our week one preview show. So, you know, pickums, breaking down the games. We'll know more as a, as we get there. And then the season begins. But before we can get to the season, you saw in the beginning of the show today, I'll play mm -hmm. here for a second. Um, uh, Jason Green, uh, dedicated uh, Shark personnel, um, 
lost his fight with cancer. The guy has been fighting cancer for quite some time. Zach had a chance to meet up up at the, uh, the Albany last year. I had a chance to meet him a couple times in Jacksonville on the field after a game, especially with him and, uh, and his Curran and Rob Storm, the guys. Uh, the guy was just a good dude. Uh, yeah. And he lost his battle. I, I I couldn't go with an episode without, you know, saying something about it. Uh, one thing I do know about the Jacksonville Shark organization is that once you get to know the people who are behind the scenes, guarantees the same way in Albany and, and every team around the NAL, you, you meet these people and you see their passion for the game and then their passion for the fans. And for Green, the, the, the couple of times I've met him, he was always, A, excited that we won, B, mad that we lost, or C, on Facebook telling why we won, why we lost. Uh, the guy was really a good dude, really genuine, and the Shark Nation did lose a family member uh, this week as well. Uh, yeah. So, uh, Mr. Green, you're in better places right now. Now you got high definition for all the actions at the same time uh, for NAL action. But, again, for the Jacksonville organization, to the Green family, um, this guy was inspirational. He was behind a lot of things here in Jacksonville to put this franchise where it is today uh, for the Sharks. So, uh, rest in peace, uh, Mr. Green. Uh, it was a pleasure knowing you. I talking to him a couple of times, and it's a pleasure that you brought the arena game to Jacksonville uh, with everyone else, and you kept it here. Um, mm -hmm. Now, um, unfortunately, uh, he's no longer with us, but he will be, I think, um, for what I think is going to happen. Uh, this is not no, I don't know for certain, but I think Jacksonville might be doing something for him in his honor uh, coming up um, in the first home game. Um, I think that's just – I don't think it's happening. I don't know officially, but I guarantee you it's going to happen somehow, some way. Uh, he was too inspirational for this organization. Yeah, it, it really is a shame. Uh, nicknamed the Green Machine, as they were putting. Um, I do want to – for anyone that's interest, interested and would like to give condolences to the family um, via their obit, via their, his obit, uh, Jason's obituary, um, if you're interested, uh, April Fool's Day – uh, this year, uh, April 1st, they'll be at, they'll be holding a celebration of life at North Jacksonville Baptist Church, uh, 8531 North Main Street. Um, that'll start at 2 p.m. local time if you are in the area. Uh, and if you want to give if you want to give your condolences to the Green family, that's where we recommend you head your way as well. Um, and you can find that obituary online if you want to look up more details uh, as well as to contact the family, too. But um yeah, it, it's a shame. The NAL lost a good one today, or back on March 26th. Um, we definitely, this episode, we were going to bring it, definitely want to talk about it because, again, you know, an influential organization, one of the owners that, you know, people, I think, love to talk to just in, in the arenas and also just online in the community. You know, someone that, you know, I, I'm glad I got to lead, meet up and introduce myself in August. Um, and he'll, so, he'll sorely be missed. And uh, cancer sucks. It, it is a cancer is a is a terrible thing, but, you know, rest in rest in peace to Jason Green. And we're glad for his contributions, at least to this sport. Covering all your favorite parts of the 50 yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast with Zach Heilman and Jim Bernier.